Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. We as people tend to think of learning and training and preparing so that we can commit to something truly big and worthy, a grand purpose. My guest today argues in the most compassionate way possible that we've got it backwards and that the greatest people ever known simply committed to something they believed in. And the journey within it is what made them great. It crafted and honed them. The challenge and trials and triumphs along the way is what refined them. Then the charge is not to prepare to commit, but to commit now and become what the commitment requires along the way. My guest is Lynn Twist. If you're in the humanitarian world at all, you know that name. She's a recognized global visionary and legendary humanitarian. Lynn wowed the world with her first book, The Soul of Money. I have her on this show for her brand new book, which is releasing right now. Living a committed life, finding freedom and fulfillment in a purpose larger than yourself. That's what caught me. It's this 180 look at making big commitments that again, the greats like Gandhi didn't prepare to change the world. They just committed to it and the effort formed them into the people big enough to do it. Lynn's story is the same as her journey began when she heard about the hunger project where their goal is to end world hunger. And she knew she was supposed to devote her life to it. And she did. She spent a decade there. Uh, Actually, I think it was two decades and has influenced more people through more humanitarian efforts than nearly anyone. Lynn has been an advisor to the Desmond Tutu Foundation. The United Nations honored her with a Woman of Distinction Award. And from working with Mother Teresa in Calcutta to the refugee camps in Ethiopia and the threatened rainforest of the Amazon, Lynn's on-the-ground work has brought her such a deep understanding of the social tapestry of the world and the historical landscape of the times we're living in now. And that's why she wrote this book. Over the past 40 years, Lynn has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries in the arenas of fundraising with integrity, conscious philanthropy, strategic visioning, and having a healthy relationship with money. You can find Lynn Twist's brand new book, Living a Committed Life Anywhere, and connect with her at soulofmoney.org. If you find value in this self-help podcast, this episode today, it'd be great if you would leave us a rating and review. Best thing you can do is just talk about what you hear with someone else. You can find me, always connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Got a brand new uh, website that I think you'll find value in. Next up, this is a, an epic discussion with Lynn Twist from someone with epic experience about making big commitments to a purpose. Well, Lynn, again, I'm so grateful you're here. As I said a minute ago, when I first saw the book and saw what you've done and what you were about, I thought this is somebody I want to have a conversation with. So we're going to have a conversation and just let tens of thousands of people listen to it as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You in the, in the idea of, you know, you had me at hello, um, right away, your initial statement with this book, living a committed life, or or I should say your perspective of 
And this is your quote. The conventional wisdom is that you become someone who can fulfill the commitment before you make it. And I suggest it's actually the other way around. My ass, my assertion is that uh, we really is really the way we find our greatness is through making great and life altering commitments. And it just kind of set me back. And I thought about some of my own experiences with myself and with walking with other people and how often we are waiting for X, Y, Z to happen, wait to have the experience, the acumen, the education, the whatever to go do X to feel that we're worthy. And you're saying, and of course you depict it so beautifully in the book that no, most of the great people that we know made the commitment and it is what formed them. And that just puts our, it's counterintuitive, as you know, to our culture. Well, and I guess that's why you put the book out now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you should write a book on that. But it is, it really kind of flips it on our head. It's, it's a little disconcerting. I mean, do you find that that message, it is, it's a little disconcerting to how we look at the trajectory that we think we should follow and you're kind of flipping it on its, you're doing a 180. Yeah. Well, it actually, when, when people look at their lives, though, they usually see, wow, that is kind of how it works. So uh, at high school, I decided to be uh, a, a volleyball player and, and my coach said we could be the best in the state. And so then we became the best in the state. We didn't start best in the state. We became best in the state. Or, you know, I, I, uh, I, I look at people's if, if you look back at your life someone motivated you or inspired you or challenged you or you challenge yourself to do something beyond what you thought you could. And then that commitment created you being that person, you know, even if it's learning to play the piano or, you know, riding a bike, you, you kind of, it's the vision that pulls you towards greatness. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's, it's actually counterintuitive, but it's the way life actually really works. And, and then also, of course, we think that Gandhi was simply extraordinary when he was born, you know, given that extraordinary life and what he delivered and how everybody still quotes him, you know, decades later after he's dead and gone. And they will for another 150, 200, 300 years. But he started out as a little brown man, you know, got thrown off a train in, in, in South Africa. And, and it was the commitment uh, that he made that forged him into that wise, incredibly quotable guy, you know, same thing with Martin Luther King. I mean, all the great people we think of, we kind of think, well, they were, they started out that way. They were so lucky, but actually it's the other way around. And I, I really think that it's important to realize that because when we're listless and worried about the world and it's just a mess and, and we complain and gossip and lament and, finger point and da, 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 we, we have the opportunity to turn our complaints into a commitment way larger than what we're complaining about. And that pulls you out of that nasty negative conversation and gets you right into action. So it's really important for our time. That's really what I'm sort of answering the question or the statement you made in the beginning. It's the timing of this message, I think, is a fit and a match for the world we're in now, because it's an all hands on deck world. Yeah, It's yeah. not something you can observe and complain about now. It, and, it has, and, I, and I want, yeah. want to get into that, well, how this affects, because you write about it, how it affects the individual, and then of course, how it affects our world. And, but yes, but starting here, 
even the perspective that we have, you know, I'm thinking about my kids. Um, I, mm-hmm. I like you, I've got kids, I've got adult kids and the expected trajectories that we take when we go to school and then we're going to go to you know college and then we're going to get a job or we're going to start a business and we're going to do X, Y, Z as we look to doing and hoping that we do something that's meaningful and fulfilling. And you're, again, you, you just, you're kind of flipping it upside down or just, or even... Th- to a degree, even throwing it out and going, no, no, you, the commitment is what's going to show you where to go, create you to be the person that can go there. Okay. But that's daunting. Let's also to start there though, to go, gosh, what am I going to commit to? I wanted to start there because even that I have found as I've journeyed with people, I've sometimes been judgmental of what people commit to. And I've come out of that a little bit and said, you know what? I just want to align with, or I do align with people who just commit to anything, just the Mm -hmm. aspect of committing and having a purpose. Those are the people that I gel with and I appreciate. I don't need to judge what they're doing. Is it altruistic to the level I think it should be or whatnot? There's value for the person just in committing. But now over here, and as I look at the stories, it feels like the majority, when you're looking at purpose, when you're looking at commitment that people do find the most purpose when they are doing something that really does serve humanity. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted the, you to kind of help hold that tension or not that tension, but that question of, okay, I'm looking for something to commit to what's worthy. I mean, cause you know, people are asking, okay, I'm going to commit to something. What's, do I have to gauge the worthiness of that commitment? Uh, well, let's see. What an interesting way to, approach this or interesting question you're asking um worthiness let me think i i actually think that that what calls to us to the deepest part of who we really are not what manipulates our identity or our ego which is it's you know you got to decipher between that and being really called Hmm. uh we're not called to do something that's going to harm anybody i don't think a calling is anything other than a divine intervention or divine, it's got divinity in it. And whether one believes in God or or the universe or natural world, or or, there's something larger than our identity and our personality and our ego that calls us to serve and serve deeply. And, um, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm, um, you know, I'm aware that goals and, and strategies to meet goals are very important and very effective. And there's plenty of books about that. Um, and they're all good. And I, I highly recommend them. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that is you can't check it off like, oh, I did it. It's it's larger than your own life. It's something that you can't accomplish really by yourself it's not something that you can um, say, been there, done that, what's the next thing? No, it's a, a calling that's that's deeper than all of that, that, that gives you the projects and the goals and all the, the things you want to accomplish uh, to do, but it, it, it's bigger than all of that. So it's, it's purpose. It's, um, it's uh, the deepest part of who you are. It's a, uh, it's, it's actually almost like a, um, why you were born, why you're here now. You know, it's a really epic time. There's no question about that. And <clears throat> well, it, I say, I think if you're here now, you, you're, you're 
you're here for a reason and you're here to make a difference of some kind. And part of life is finding that and making that difference. So, and that's so fulfilling and so exciting. So that's what I want for people. And so I don't know if I answered your question. You did. And I want, I want to ask it, you know, in your stories, well, you have your own story that you start the book out with, and then you tell the stories of, of course, you know, these, these incredible people that we pretty much all know of historically or in present time even. And we have so much focus and it comes up in this show plenty as we're talking about goals and talking about work and talking about personal fulfillment of doing something that you're passionate about. So we all know that word, do something you're passionate about. It was a couple years ago in the span of a month that I had two different people on the show. Uh, John O'Leary was one of them. He's a guy who got burnt over most of his body, should have died, has an incredible story. It was him and uh, I believe it was Sam Collier. Um who I had on the show and they both talked about what is that thing that your heart breaks for? Mm-hmm, and I thought, yeah. Oh, and that, that almost resonated with me more. Cause there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. Some of them, I just want to be a consumer of, I, I'm not looking to change the world by my passion for, you know, food or music or, or, or whatnot. It's just for me, I'm a consumer, but then there are some things that, man, I, I want to do something about. And those I really relate more to it. it Burden. I used to say burden. I, I feel burdened by it. And I wake up and I'll never be satisfied. I'll never be satiated. This is something that's going to go on forever, just like your, your work uh, has. And do you find that that is where it hits people more? It's going out, which I would say to a younger crowd, I mean, you got to go out and experience some of life. Go, you know, get out of high school like my kids. Go get out of high school and, and go travel. Go see some things and find what what passions arise, but also what, what bothers you for this culture? What bothers you mm-hmm. and breaks your heart? Is that, do you find that that falls in line more with what you're talking about? Yes, I think that's right on. And, and you know, we, we often use this phrase, turn your complaints into commitments. Yeah. Um, but it's also what I'm talking about is, is, is even deeper than that. And you are too. So what breaks your heart? What, what you can hardly stand it when you, when you learn that this is happening. So that's one way. And then another way is, you know, and that's a a, a way of, of looking at life where, um, gosh, there's this wonderful phrase from from Michael Beckwith and Rev D, uh, Reverend Deborah Johnson, pain pushes until vision pulls. Have you ever heard that? No, no, but pain, I'm writing it down. Yeah, I, I hope I put it in the book. I think I did. Pain pushes until vision pulls. And that's a like what breaks your heart. You can hardly stand it. But then when you have a vision that you could actually do something about it, that pulls you out of the pain into action. And, um, you know, we, we do a lot of things like now our political uh, situation in the United States is so painful. Oh, my God, it's so painful to listen to people and to have people pot shotting each other and mudslinging and all the horrible stuff that's happening. It's like it's like gossip on steroids or something. And for me, it's totally painful. Um but what is my vision for our country? What is my vision for for our planet? What is my vision for the world? That will keep me in action on a track, on a trajectory that has me not get engaged in all the the back and forth, but but moving things forward. And when you're moving things forward, the back and forth, you don't get caught in it so much. You're not so interested in it. You, it does, you don't have time to make somebody wrong and to point fingers at somebody. You don't have time. You're making something happen. So we, we, I, what I'm looking for, what I'm 
trying to elicit or ignite or actually inspire is having people step up and step into life at a whole nother level and step into the challenges we face as a human community, not like problems to fix, but challenges to meet with who we are. And that's exciting. You know, if you think about a problem to fix, it's like, oh, God, there's, there's something's broken, something's wrong. I got to get in there and get into the muck or help, even helping. There's a wonderful phrase from Rachel Naomi Remen, a wonderful mentor of mine. I love her so much. She she says, helping, fixing and serving represent three different ways of seeing life. When you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. When you serve, you see life as whole. Fixing and helping may be the work of the ego, but service is the work of the soul. Hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. Service is the work of the soul. It's something that, that rocks your soul. And that's yours meant to do. You know, it's yours. It doesn't, doesn't mean that other people can't participate. My God, you're going to need them. But it's, it pulls you forward. So, um, and I think everybody can find that. I think that, I don't think it's just, oh, the lucky ones find that. No, that's there for everybody or they wouldn't be here. Well, and I was, I was wondering just about that because you could, you know, make a, you could have somebody thinking, oh gosh, I got to have this holy grail experience where the light shines down from the mountain and, and I hear the music going on and I know that that's the thing. And that may or may not happen for everyone. And yet every day we go on social media and media at large and we hear so much negativity and so much complaining, as you said, and I could see your perspective. Yeah, to go on just a basic scroll of Facebook and to see the complaints and the complaints and say, with grace even, to say, God, I hear your pain there. Go Then go make a commitment out of that. Because yeah. I find so many of the things that I am committed to that I am burdened by that my heart breaks. They didn't come from some mountaintop experience with a light shining down. A lot of it may have come from just what I am burdened about with what my kids are experiencing in the culture, the hard things that I see. And I go, Oh, my heart breaks for the, you know, the amount of uh, what screens are taking kids away from going after deeper callings. Well, if I care about that, I I, know which I do. What can I do about that? How can Mm -hmm. I serve that. Okay. So that's there. I do before we, I, I'm still a little enamored with your perspective on commitment though, Lynn. And, and I was, and you had me thinking as I'm reading about, again, just that paradigm shift of how we tend to want to prepare to be ready for this big thing. And yet I thought again of parenting, we keep talking, I keep bringing up parenting in that, but with parenting, I am not aware. I didn't do this. I'll own that. I did not do this. And I'm not aware really of anybody that I know who spent six months, three months, a year, who spent a four-year college you know, degree type span learning to be a parent. Dude, I'm mm-hmm. going to go learn and prepare to be a parent. I'm going to volunteer at the nursery at church. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do all this stuff so that I am ready to have a child. One of the biggest commitments that you can have here on planet earth as a human, we don't, we kind of just get together and maybe it's even an accident or maybe we're married and we're thinking about doing that. And we have a kid and it's born and I'll never forget day one that that happened to me 27 years ago. And I'm in the hospital and the next day they just usher us out and we put this human in a car seat. I go, seriously, you're just going to, 
I, I'm just leaving. Do I have no idea what to do? And I have a human that I am now uh, responsible for. And what do you do? You become, hopefully you become a parent. And now we did do that. We did. I wanted to be a good parent. And so we did start studying and we did start reading and we were, you know, and, and, and feet to the fire. And I thought, yeah, and here you are saying, man, find that thing that you want to do and go and let it create you into the person that can actually do that. And why do we look at everything else, look at our careers and these big things that we want to do, and we don't just jump into it. And of course, most of us find ourselves then in our 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, and we've just kind of been doing life and we're sitting there now having our midlife crisis because it's just kind of boring and it doesn't add up to much. It doesn't make our heart sing and we're not committed to something worthwhile. And yet it's almost like you're back here going, just, you can jump into it anytime. It will mm-hmm. create you into that. That's again, it, it's such a paradigm shift and it is, again, I, I keep feeling like it's super simple, but it is daunting. Yeah. Right. Right. It is daunting. And the daunting part of it is, is a, is part of the beauty of it, actually. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, it's it's it, life is as we all know a mountain with no top. Life is school. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about parenting, you know, we grow up with our children. We grow up mm. through being a parent. That's, I mean, when I, I remember once reading in um, Conversations from God that that one those wonderful series of books and Neil Donald Walsh. I had a chance to hang out with him a little bit once we were in a conference together speaking and and he he has 11 kids i think 11 or maybe it's 10 but like he has a zillion kids and um uh i he he there's a part of one of the books maybe the second or the third where he says to god oh my god it's so hard raising children god what do i do and god booms back in the voice that he says he heard um you should be raising your children you're too much about yourself and your career and what you're rather making your mark. Your parents should be raising your children. Grand, that's what grandparents are for. And I thought, oh, what a great idea. Wow. Okay. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm not recommending this exactly, but I thought it was so cool because I remember when my kids, you know, talking about parenting, my kids, you know, if their face was dirty or they didn't get a good grade or they failed at something, I, it was like, it was all about me. I mean, because I wasn't mature enough to realize, oh, you know, they'll be fine. I, 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 I was so attached to them that if they didn't dress properly and if they didn't have nice manners, there was something wrong with me. Yeah. When in fact, you know, you're, when you're a grandparent, which I am now, and you're probably not yet, but when you are, you'll realize your grandchildren are perfect. If their dirt, face is dirty, uh, isn't that adorable? If they if they fail the test, oh, they're there. It's okay. You'll you'll do better on the next one. If they didn't win the volleyball tournament, God, you put it, gave it your all. So you're you have this perspective when you're a grandchild, a grandparent, because you're not about yourself anymore. You've kind of let go of that whole thing. But we have our children when we're in the blush of our establishing who we are, and um, it, it, it we get a little bit distracted sometimes. As much as we want to be a great parent, we also have to earn money. We also have to yeah. make our mark. We also have to make our marriage work. We also have to be, you know, show up for our friends. So I thought that was the coolest answer. And really what I realized was it's grandparent kind of energy, whether the grandparents are alive or not, when your children are born and raised, the energy of a grandparent is one of the beauties of, of even if you don't aren't a grandparent, of of parenting well, which is letting kids be 
who they are. And that's what grandparents have the space to do. So it's almost like the advice he got from God in his book that he told me about was advice for parents to bring find that grandparent energy in themselves and let their kids be exactly who they are. I don't know. I bet, but I love, parody, isn't that cool? Well, I love the analogy, Lynn, and it's an interesting one for me. Um, I, I actually have nine kids. So I'm, oh, I'm you do? one of those people <gasps> who have a zillion kids. You do? And, my God. And what's interesting wow. is we had, my wife and I had three kids, thought we were done, and then ended up having uh, some a little span of time and then had five more um, oh my God. biological kids. And then we adopted two on both ends. So my oldest uh, kid is adopted. She's 28. My youngest is adopted and she's 10. And I've gotten to see, we talk about our first litter and our second litter uh, of kids. <laughs> and and that all the stuff you talked about, we, mm. we over-parented our first ones. I controlled so much and micromanaged and hovered and did all those kind of things more with them. And then the second ones, I, I'm not even going to say I got wisdom enough not to, I just kind of got tired. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not going to watch, <laughs> if it's an animated show, I'm not going to watch. I'm just out and I'm not going to, you know, do some of those. And I, I kind of out of that did a better job of letting them be. And you know what? And just like you said, oh my gosh, they're not going to die. And if they go to school and mismatch clothes, so what? And, and so I got to that. And I actually, I do have, uh, I do have grandkids now. Um, you do? So oh, good. I, I, they call me grandpa. It still feels, I still feel a little young for that. But, but what you're talking about, yeah, removing myself from even the, the outcome uh, so much of, uh, has, has changed the paradigm. Which back to, again, your perspective of, you talked about in the book of what the commitment, you even talked about it from yourself, that you went from, I'm going to paraphrase Lynn. Okay. The average person who's thinking about themselves, a little wrapped up in themselves, worried about themselves, and then you found this commitment. And a lot of that, I don't want to minimize that, but a lot of it just kind of fell away. You now had a commitment. It made me think of the movie scene where everybody's kind of living and thinking about themselves and looking in the mirror. And, and my, my wife would say navel gazing. Um, and, and, and then all of a sudden, the thing happens. In the movie, it's a you know tragedy or it's some big thing, and it all goes by the wayside. Who cares? And you go and you commit to that thing. We love to watch that. I mean, that is what makes billions of dollars in Hollywood is we love that story where you rise up to deal with something that's bigger than you, that's larger than life, that's above the law. It's all those things that we love to do. We love that, but we don't do it in our lives, and we get caught up in the social media and the next thing that's happening. And again, our own navel gazing, as I'll say. Um, and you, I was trying to find it, Lynn, you actually had a word or, or a phrase that was about looking at yourself, kind of getting caught up in your own junk. Do you remember the phrase? Um, uh, well, it's, it's your life, uh, your life starring you. Um, okay. You know, you can be in, uh, I left uh, a life that was all about my life starring me yeah. to a committed life where all that noise about that came with my life starring me. Do I look good enough? Am I young enough? Am I pretty enough? Did I wear the right outfit? Did I say the right thing? Did I like that person? Did that person like me? All of that is, is human. So it doesn't go away completely, but it moves to the background. And in the foreground was who do I need to be to end world hunger? And that's a very different question than do they like me? Do, do am I wearing the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Am I smart enough? Am I cool enough? 
all of that is still those noise. That's noise. Now I know it's noise. I thought it was real, but it's moved to the background. It's like background noise in a restaurant or something or background noise in a construction on the street next to your house. It's not what you're focused on. It doesn't go away, but it's not where your attention is and what's what your attention right. is given to is what you're committed to. And it, it's such a relief, actually. It's such a relief to not have that noise in your head and not to believe that stuff and to know that it's just noise. Now, I buy into it sometimes, you know, when I'm about to give a big speech and I'm uh, I'm a little nervous and I'm afraid I'm going to screw up or, you know, I'm just releasing this new book and I can't wait to see what people will say about it. Well, did I, did I, you know, did I do it right? Did I do a good job? Is it going to be as successful as my first book? So I have all those thoughts. They didn't go away, yeah, but yeah. they don't manage me anymore. I manage them. They used to manage me. Now I manage them. I know that that's kind of bullshit. I know that it's doubts and negativity and all the stuff that you, you know, that you get just by being human. It's not my fault that I have those thoughts. It's part of being a human being. I just don't give them power. And I gave them a lot of power. I gave them all the power. Um, and, and there's moments where I give them power again. And then I realize, oops, no, that's like stupid. Just do it. You know, just go forward. So that's kind of what I, uh, what I, I don't know if that's. I want to dig in. Want. No, I want to dig in right there because you say, and I found the segment that I was looking for. You said a committed life. Uh, and I think you were talking about yourself that in your own journey of beginning this committed life, and you said it's governed not this new life governed, not by my desires, by my wants, or even by my needs, but rather by what I'm committed to. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I, but I do want to dig in right there because it, I, well, I'll ask you this. I, I, I struggle with coming from a, a, a religious background, a Christian background and that concept of dying to self. And I've always struggled with that. And, I, and I'll say that sitting here today, I struggle with thinking, is that, is that possible? Or do we even understand what that means? Cause I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm never going to die to myself. I'm, I'm me. I have my own appetites. I have things that I don't know that I can ever be totally selfless, but I can go serve. I can go serve, but generally I'm going to find that I'm serving in ways that still do serve me to some degree. I got a two part question. I'm going to stop there. Tell me, talk about that because we have that perspective. I mean, I remember it as a kid of thinking, okay, I pray and say, Hey God, use me for wherever I'm supposed to do whatever my calling is. And he says, okay, you're going to go serve, you know, third world children in this country far away. And I'm going to think, I don't really want to do that. And I heard messages in my later life of saying, I don't know that God would have you go do something that you absolutely hate. Mm -hmm. Start, Mm -hmm. start there, play with that. Well, first of all, I, dying to self, I don't know that term so well as you do. But um, I think there's, I have to be, you know, uh, respectful here. But religion can be part of the problem here. Because we get into these reified beliefs, and they don't necessarily apply to everything. And some of them have become so rigid that they constrict us rather than free us. And, uh, you know, what really God wants from you and me is for us to be free to express the best part of the best expression of ourselves. And, um, you know, there's a, um, there's a wonderful story I'll tell you about um, a friend of mine named David, and he was struh- struggling with his marriage uh, and he had two little girls at the time. 
uh, and his marriage was kind of on the rocks. They they were living together still. There wasn't a divorce or anything, but he was just struggling. He didn't feel like he was a good husband. He didn't feel like he was a good provider. He didn't feel like he was being a good father. And there was a lot of strife and inner conflict in his family. And he went to the Amazon where I work, um, the Amazon rainforest, and uh, kind of turned himself over to one of the great shamans there. And these shamans, the ancient shamans the, in the rainforest, they're ancient, you know, they're old, but they're also working with ancient truths. And he um, he got in, in a, a shamanic ceremony and his his countenance or his way of being was he said to the spirits, spirit world, let's call it that, and it could be God in your case. But in this case, it was the spirit world. You know, what what's wrong with me? I'm such a jerk. I can't feed my family. I'm, I can't get along with my wife. I'm a terrible father. I'm such a, I'm such a jerk. I, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm this, I'm that. I'm not worthy. I'm like that. And he's like, ah. And the voice that responded to him was said something like, how dare you question and doubt my creation? Yes. How dare you insult the life you've been given, the gift of the life you've been given? How dare you? How arrogant of you to question it. And that uh, that last phrase, how arrogant of you, I realized that that kind of making yourself, oh, I'm not worthy and oh, I didn't do it right and there's something wrong with me, seems modest. But actually, modesty is the flip side of arrogant. It's trying to not be arrogant. But it has nothing to do with true humility, because when you discover who you really are, it's humbling. It's humbling in the most beautiful way. You're blessed to discover who you really are, who you really are. So um, I'm suggesting that, and I don't mean to make religion part of the problem, but I know in some cases, belief systems, ideology, sure, sure. trap us into ways of thinking and being that kind of miss the point of why that uh, religious tenet was invented in the first place. And we need to really trust that our bodies and our experience of ourselves and our, our, what touches our heart, that, that's real. You, you, when you're touched and moved and inspired and you and get, get, start to tear up, that's real. That's not, that's not manipulation. That's not someone pulling wool over your eyes. That's real. So, so that's where, um, where I think we can sort of navigate and, calibrate ourselves life is confusing yes life is upsetting yes life is unfair yes and there's signs and there's a way and there's a feeling and there's that moment where you know your integrity is intact and you are doing what's yours to do and it doesn't it's not like all day every day for me but i know that it's there and i trust it and i trust it um so let, that's, let me jump from that, from, from, a, from a spiritual and a calling, again, to a pragmatic aspect of looking at, okay, there's this thing that breaks your heart, that you're burdened about, that you're passionate about, that you look and say, gosh, I want to be a part of that for you, you know, ending world hunger, would be similar, let's, on a pragmatic vocational side mm-hmm. of you saying, you know, I'm really, I really like uh, media and I like visual media. Okay, I, I love that. I'm going to be a part of that. We have approximately a million 
different opportunities to be a part of that. And we tend to, I see this again in my own life and in walking with so many people, we tend to be so narrow-minded to think, gosh, I really mm-hmm. like music. Well, I got to, you know, write songs and play on stage. No, you, you can be in, there's an infinite amount of ways you can be involved in music without doing that. Same thing here. So if we look at, in your case, ending world hunger, there's as many opportunities there to back to what you said, be, be the best expression of ourselves to do what's <laughs> yours to do. And now I'm talking about skills, talents, giftings, abilities. That's the best way that I can go serve in your case, world hunger is to look at where am I best equipped and go do it in that way. And again, not to take this call and think it's going to rip me out and put me into something that I have no capacity to do. Is that fair? Yes, that's right. But at the same time, um, well, I'm going to say that Howard Thurman quote, quote you probably noticed in the book. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. Yes. Go and do that because what the world needs is people who've come alive. Yes. And that's really, that's, you know, there are needs in the world, yes. And then if you if you go towards the need alone without saying this is mine to do, you end up in sacrifice. And sacrifice is not healthy and it doesn't have integrity. It sounds beautiful, but it doesn't have integrity, really. You don't want to sacrifice yourself. You want to contribute yourself. You want to be of service. And you want to include yourself in the service that it's fulfilling for you, that it is your dharma, that it is what you're calling. You know, so it's it's um, it, it, it takes some real um, paying attention, you know, <laughs> Um, and there's so much shoulding out there. This should you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. Shouldn't do that. That it's hard to navigate uh, the world. But but we all know deep in our heart of hearts who we are and what's ours to do when we really think about it. When we really drop into our heart. And um, I, there's no formula. I can't say part one do this. Part two do that. But um, but. But to trust that if you're born, my belief is if you're born now at this time in history, you have a role to play. It's not a big role. It's not a small role. It's your role, whatever that is. And if you play it, your life will have so much meaning and you'll be so fulfilled and you'll make the difference you're here to make. Um, and I know that's what everybody wants. Yeah. But there's so much noise. It's hard to uh, find that because it takes stillness and listening intentionality, the courage, uh, and, and, and it takes some quiet and quiet is not that available in today's world. No, it's not. And you know, you just said something to me is profound too. When we look at service, serving something, committing to something, doing something meaningful that you said, it's not about sacrificing yourself. And I'm going to kind of pull in that. And it is, it's a religious term of dying to self that I think we misinterpret uh, how that is because to sacrifice ourselves and you know, put our, just to, just to pour ourselves out to where there's nothing left. I see no context of that, whether it's in the, the Bible or in, in another religious context or just in the reality of life of seeing the people who have served most. And I know you literally knew mother Teresa, which I just, that's just profound to me in and of itself that she did. She just, was she just about sacrificing herself and wearing herself down to where she couldn't drag herself out of her room as opposed to you said contribute. And my understanding is that it was specifically if we can use mother Teresa, that she had some really 
I don't want to say strict, that sounds bad, but some, she had boundaries and I heard, maybe, you know, Lynn, and if not, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she had some things of, if she's going to work for uh, a week, one of those days, seven days, she took off. If she was going to work for a month, she was going to take a week off. If she was going to work for, she had these sabbaticals that, that she would take to make sure that she was caring for herself. And yet we have this depiction of our little mother Teresa going around and just working herself to the nub. And I don't think that that was the case. So again, that you holding that it's not sacrifice contribution. That's significant. I think when we look at service. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there is a phrase, I think it's in the Bible, but it's somewhere drink as you pour. Mm. And I love that drink as you pour. There's something about that so profound for me. It's it's a simple little phrase, but drink as you pour, include yourself in your service. You know, she, she had a lot of respect for herself as she called herself God's pencil. She had to sharpen her herself. She had to, you know, take care of God's pencil. So she had a lot of respect for the fact that she was created by God and that she needed to tend to this creation as well as use it to contribute. So she felt herself to be instrument of the Lord. And it's like, you know, you sharpen your knives, you sharpen your sword, you sharpen your, you get your tires changed, you, you know, you get a lube job in your car, right? you, you know, you clean your house, you, you, um, you know, fix the plumbing, you, you re reboot this, that your computer that we need to do that with ourselves. It's not like you're going to help everybody out here and you're the great bountiful person who can do that forever without ever looking at your own life. No, that's, that's arrogance. That's a, that's a form of arrogance. That's why I like to say that because that's so insulting Hmm. because you think you're sacrificing, Oh, you know, I'm giving everything I have. I'm giving more than I have. I'm giving beyond what I have. There's an arrogance in that. There's a real arrogance in that. Once someone pointed that out to me, I cut it out right away. I realized I don't want to be arrogant. I'm, I I, I want to be useful. And <clears throat> I can't be useful if I give everything and I don't take care of myself. At the same time, I'll, I'll tell you another story that um, <clears throat> that I think is, it sounds like a paradox, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I once was interviewed by a, um, a magazine or a, 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 an editor of a magazine called me and the editor of a magazine called Balance, a women's magazine. The name of it was Balance. And they wanted to put me on the cover and they wanted to do an interview with me as, an, as the lead article. And I said, you know, you. when the editor called me, I said, you have the wrong person. I'm not the right person for this magazine or for this message. I don't even seek balance. I'm not balanced. I've never had been balanced. I don't know about balance. I don't, I don't even want it, actually. So I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's good for other people, but not for me. And she said, well, what do you seek? Tell me. And I said, well, integrity. Hmm. That's what I want. That's what I commit to, integrity, my own integrity. And my integrity includes taking care of myself. My my integrity also includes if I have something that I said would be ready by Tuesday at 9 a.m. and I need to stay up all night to make sure that I keep my word, I will do that. Uh, And if it's it's due... You know, on Friday, and I have to stay up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to do it. I will do that to keep my integrity intact. Um, so I seek integrity, and it's not the opposite of balance, but it's just a different. It's a, it's, I can, it's, it feels different to me. And and then I, you know, m- might need to collapse and take three days off. But 
so what? I kept my word, which is one of the ways of, 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 of having integrity. So the lady, she said, Oh my God. Okay. We are putting you on the cover. We want to talk about that. (laughs) Um, and, um, you know, but it's, it's a, it's just another distinction in the way we see life. I feel very, um, clear that when I say my, one of my highest commitments is to make the world work, to create a world that works for everyone with no one and nothing like left out, to create a world that works for everyone with no one and nothing left out. That, that includes me. Yeah. That includes me. It includes me, includes my family. So, um, yeah. So Your a- statement, Lynn, on arrogance. So I'll raise my hand and say, and I, I, I want to say I have done that, that it's in the past, though I'm sure it always exists and it ebbs and flows. And I found myself doing that as a parent, going around, especially with a family my size, and thinking that, one, that I was their savior, um, and two, that I was doing God a favor, I think to some degree. It's really what came to mind. It was a kind of a personal epiphany of like, I, I am way, way overweighing my my own importance here. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if I die, I've got life insurance. They'll get some cash. And a decade later, they're all going to be here. They'll, they'll have recovered <laughs> and somebody will have paid the bills and they'll have eaten and, and whatnot. And it wasn't to minimize, I, mean, I guess maybe that's the balance. It wasn't to minimize my, going back to what you said, my contribution. Yes. But, um, but to balance, bal- well, I don't want to use the word balance. We just talked about that. But to hold that with, it's also, it's not on me. I am not God. It's been a, and that has been a, a part of my own. It's been a, actually, it's been a struggle. Even in my big commitments, Lynn is, is maybe yeah, arrogance of looking at my contribution as being so great that it rested on me. And now realizing I realizing because I sabotage things because I burnt out because it's not sustainable and it's not healthy. And so I did some things that were good and I hurt them by not taking care of myself and by being arrogant within that. And it really is. You talked about freedom earlier, kind of like with the parenting we we're talking about, the freedom to go, oh, you know, it's not all on me. I, I yeah. thank goodness I'm not God. And so I'm, my contribution matters. My integrity matters. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to minimize that, but I am, uh, it's not all on me. It feels like that's got to be a big part of, would you say, a healthy commitment. Yeah, right, right. And it's it, it we all balance you know, this word balances. We all do balance this against that. We all do. I don't want to make balance wrong. Right, I, I right. want to just go back and you know kind of clear that up. But I do think one of the things that was so useful about that conversation is I realized that what we really all want is our integrity, our wholeness, our wholeness. We want to be a whole and we want to um we want to make the difference that is ours to make, but we don't want to become codependent. We don't want to rescue. We don't want to become the victim of our own commitments. We want to be the the agency. We want to keep our own agency intact. And I get, you know, I get burned out. I, I do this collapse thing. I get overwhelmed, et cetera. And I know when I do, it's not necessarily how many hours I worked or that I didn't take the weekend off as much as it is I'm disconnected with source. And when you're disconnected from source, you can burn out. But when you stay connected with source, you can you, you become like a superhuman. I mean, I, I, I love talking about the, the people who worked at NASA when Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon in 10 years. When you talk to those people, the people who are still around, they had such a blast. They had so much fun. And they had Coke and pizza every day. They didn't go home at night. They were like, you know, didn't take care of themselves, et cetera. 
but they were connected to what I'll call source in their case, this incredible vision for the world. It was so exciting that nothing since then has matched it. And um, I, yesterday I was interviewed by um, by Dr. Mark Hyman, and he was sharing about, he worked in Haiti, and he said he, you know, Haiti's just a mess right now, and it, it has been forever, but, but it's really a mess now. But I want to just go back to when he was working there, he went to help out in a very difficult situation after the earthquake, and he said he feels a little bit bad about this, but he was high as a kite hmm. while he was doing that because he was really, really connecting with people, really making a difference. And he felt the energy, the vitality, the the through line of the divine coming through him as he did the next uh, surgery or as he did the next consultation. And he said, you know, he it was like he didn't need to sleep. He didn't need to eat. He was just he was running on. And some people would say fumes, but he said, no, I was running. Uh, my connection to source was was intact. And I and then there was a point at which it was time to take care of myself as well. Yeah. So I think it's really it's it's a dance. It's not a formula. It's a dance. And um, it's it's a constant dance for me. I'm I'm involved in, you know, more things than anybody should be involved in 10 lifetimes. And I love it. Uh, and sometimes I crash. But I know uh, that that what I'm really doing when I'm on point, when I'm in the zone, is contributing, being a collaborator. It's not all up to me, but I've been called and I'm an instrument of something greater than myself. Going right from there, Lynn, and bringing in that, and again, I don't, I don't even want to use the word arrogance because it's such a negative word, but just to find that thing that you care about so deeply and you're talking about you're involved in you know multiple things but you care about so deeply there is the danger of letting that become so big that you are burdened by it and to go back from to a religious context we would often play with that concept of, are you taking your, your your faith or your belief or your, in this sense your commitment and carrying it like a burden or carrying it like a song in your heart. And I, well, I hear, but I hear you saying that, that to you, Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so excited about this commitment, the commitments you made, you want it for others so that they are, uh, it's, it's, it's music within them. It's a light coming out of them. And yet I'm sure that you've got to see in the demographics that you're in of people who are serving these big efforts, who are committed, that you can see both sides of it. Somebody who's just so, it's it creates life within them and others and others who it drags them down. And I want to say that with sensitivity because I see people even in the mental health space who are dealing with such tragedy that oh, it's very God. hard for it not to take a toll on them and drag them down. Yeah, right. that's so true. And and especially that. I mean, I really have my heart goes out to those people. I have so much gratitude and compassion for them and God bless them for what they're doing and how much it's needed right now and how important it is for them to stay mentally healthy themselves. My yeah. God, you know, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. well, but, but I would say, hold that for me then of that, because as you talk about your context, your perspective, uh, Lynn is of this commitment of bringing you life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then would yeah. you say, man, if your commitment is not bringing, if it is, if it is dragging you down, that's a red flag. And what, 
what are they, what are they missing? Have they gone into it with the wrong perspective or have they gone to it? Like we talked about earlier and they've gotten involved in a role that's unfitting. Where do you yeah. see that? Where, where do you see that usually leading? Yeah. Sometimes people are in caught in a, a, a system or a structure that, that, that has become, as you put it, a burden to them and rather than something that enables and inspires the action and then you need to restructure or leave that structure and find a new one um you know when when and sometimes it's just exhaustion which is you know we all do that so that's okay uh and exhaustion can be resolved by by rest but sometimes it is really this is not a fit anymore i'm you know i'm i'm on the uh, emergency wing hospital nursing staff and i'm um i'm you know, I, I'm in my 50s, not in my 40s and 30s and 20s. And there's all these younger nurses that would be able to do those 24-hour shifts and I should be supervising them. Or maybe it's um, uh, I'm I'm in this profession and I can feel that I've given my all and I've made a huge difference. I was just talking to a woman this morning who, who was for 23 years has been in the tech world and she's really, really good and she's done very very well but she's just now it's just not it for her anymore and i told her you need to do honorable closure you need to do what's what we call honorable closure which is in my book where you actually become complete with that rather than leave it Hmm. rather than get out but do honorable closure look at the 23 years and all you've produced and the people you've worked with and the people you've Hmm. managed the people you've trained and the people who've trained you and the incredible and 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 give some real deep gratitude that and forgive yourself for anything you regret and and then really tell the story of it in a way that you feel totally affirmed before you leave and be in in absolute communion and gratitude with all the people that you need to communicate to before you uh, step out of the door and then you'll feel so great and then the future will open up for you but if you don't do it that way you'll suddenly be adrift rather than you'll be complete um, so we all have our, you know, things we want to escape from. Uh, and that's, that's a sign if you want to escape from it. You know, I, I sometimes ask, does it, when you're looking at a list of things to do, does it, does it give you energy or does it yeah. drain your energy? Yeah. And take the ones that give you energy first, and then you'll have the energy to do the ones that are harder. But don't take the ones that drain you first, because then you won't have energy for anything else. I tell people to manage their energy rather than their time, yeah. uh, which is really, you know, that's not what people are doing most of the time. They're just doing the schedule. But if we really pay attention to our energy, we always know if something's giving us energy or if it's taking it away. And that's a sign. It's a powerful, powerful message. If we pay attention to that, uh, life is much more joyful and flows much more readily. Well, you don't know how timely it is, Lynn, as of uh, when this show posts. So folks, everybody listening, a few guests ago, uh, you'll you'll have heard on my show, Patrick Lencioni, one of the biggest leaders in business. And he has a new assessment out called Working Genius. Uh, you can find it at workinggenius.com. And it is going through, where is your working genius? So just to what you're talking about. So Lynn, if I'm going to go be a part of a, a a big effort. I'm going to make a commitment to something. I know thanks to Patrick and, and I've, I've seen some other assessments for myself. I know where I should function, where I'm going to be best. I'm going to look at a problem or look at something and go, gosh, what's the opportunity here? And then Mm -hmm. what's an invention that would help that? That's Mm. where, that's where I function great. And we come up with that and everybody looks at it and goes, gosh, that's, that's a great idea. Let's go make it happen. Okay. I'm kind of done now. 
That's, 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 that's wow. I'm, I'm good right there. That's this, your part. Yeah, that's, that's my part. <laughs> I'm the ideation. I'm the ideation. If you want me to get in and put the, the, the across the T's and dot the I's and, and come up with everything, that's not my forte. And if you get me in there, I'm going to burn out, which is why I have done what I'm going to do. So to even to know where is it that I'm going to function uh, best is, is significant. I, I wanted to ask you, Lynn, in this kind of along those lines, when you look at big efforts, when you look at something that you care about in serving this planet and you want to be involved in that, we have that tendency to think of, I'm going to, maybe you can help me define it better, but I'm going to delineate by saying kind of being on the front lines or being in a support role. Meaning if I'm going to go in world hunger, do I need to, as I talked about before, I need to fly over and be with these kids on the dirt strewn street with the sewage running next to it and helping give them rice. But for every person doing that, how many are back here in the States or where they are running a fortune 500 company that's sending over millions of dollars? Uh, help us look at that. Again, it feels like we seem to be narrow minded that there's a need and a place for, I kind of wanted to hit that the support and the front lines. Is that a fair delineation? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's the front lines of the fortune 500 company too. So it's, it's kind of a, um, it's, it's kind of a false, uh, you know, category because there's, there's a there's a front line for everything, but at the right. same time, I understand what you're asking, and it makes sense to me. I I think, um, yeah, it's it this quote about what makes your heart sing, what right. makes you feel come come alive, is so important to pay attention to, and and it, whether it's the role or the topic or the the area of the world or the you know or the task, um, you know we we need to avoid the the things that leach energy from us and cultivate the lilies that give us energy you know avoid leeches cultivate lilies mm-hmm. is kind of a way of looking at life a simple frame um and to know that um there is a place for all of us it's like that there's nobody who's left out there's no fomo there's a place and and we don't need to quote fit in that fitting in is the opposite of being true to yourself and expressing yourself. Um, fitting in is as if there's no place for you and you have to jam yourself in there. Okay. There's oh, there's a there's a place for you. There's a swim lane that's yours. And then sometimes that changes. You know, sometimes you're really, really good at the on the ground stuff. And then there's a certain point at which I I've really I know this world well. I know it so well that I can be the person who supervises the ones that are on the ground. And that's really where my my joy is in training people and keeping them keeping them healthy while they're on the ground. And then you realize that that supervisory role is not quite right for you anymore. That now you're really you're really the strategist who will design how we're going to address these problems. So we do grow out of roles. We do um, grow out of roles into a role that's more fitting for us as we evolve. Yeah. And we're a work in progress. Everybody is. And, and life is school. Uh, you know, there's everything's a teaching. So it's kind of like just pay attention, pay yeah. close attention and know that your energy never lies. You know, your never energy it never lies. So I, I, I love talking to you, for example. I just want to say you're you're such a great <laughs> conversationalist and you're so enthusiastic and you're so alive 
I love talking to you. And I'm doing lots of interviews right now for my book. And there's some people that I don't love talking to. And I, I think maybe I shouldn't do those interviews. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm just saying we can always tell. You can tell by your it's, – it's in our bodies. Everything is in our bodies. It, it's You can feel it. You can feel it in your heart. You can feel it when you get teary-eyed, that you're moved to tears, that something's right on right there. That's really tugging at your heart. Yeah. Or you can feel when you're joyful and laughter and your body feels light and wonderful. You can feel it when you can't wait to talk to a person and you wish that that interview will come sooner because you can't wait to get on the phone with that person. So I, I feel like we we all know what I'm saying about, about all this. It's not rocket science. I'm just reminding us that we we know we know who we are we know what's ours to do we we know our our life is given to us and our life is given to us so that we can give it that's what i think is true well you're lynn just thank you for being on here again you just uh I'm so eager to talk to my kids uh, about this. It's just as much as I'm eager to put this out to tens of thousands of people here on the podcast of that concept of looking at what you care about, look where you want to make a difference and committing to it and it forming you into the person you want to be getting you outside of yourself, which we'll actually talk a little bit more about here in part two. Um, as we kind of walk through your values, I want to pull some things out that you said, but I, it's just it feels like a freedom back to what you said. It feels like a, a freedom as opposed to being back here and tr hoping for X, Y, Z to happen to prepare me for something that in essence, you're saying you're never going to be prepared for that. Kind of like back to parenting. You're going to learn it as you do that. I, I hope it's as inspiring to everybody else as it is to me. And, uh, I'll be talking about it at the dinner table with my kids. So Lynn, thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your service. And thank you for being willing to come here and talk with me today. Thank you so much, Kevin. I loved talking to you. And thank you for the kind of human you are uh, and the committed life you're leading and the, the father you are, the husband you are, the brother you are, the son you are, and the human you are. I'm, I'm really grateful to be in, in your company and, and to be on your show. And thank you so much. Lynn, thank you. Well, I actually let some folks listen to this recording before we publicly posted it, and I'm already getting feedback that it's one to listen to more than once, so feel free to do that. Again, you can find Lynn Twist's brand new book, Living a Committed Life Anywhere, and connect with her at soulofmoney.org. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value, I'd ask that you leave a rating and review. Let others know what they can glean from the show. Talk about what you heard today with someone else. That's so what will help you understand it more, embrace it more, engage with it more, and it'll help them. I sincerely hope I've helped you today in this episode. Help yourself so that you can help others.